Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You know, when you get old in life, things get taken from you. That's just part of life. You only learn that, though, when you start to lose those things. That's when you find out that life's a game of inches. As is rugby, because in either game, life or rugby, the margin for error is so small. I mean, one half step too late or too early, and you don't quite make it. One half second too slow or too fast, and you don't quite catch it. Inches we need are everywhere around us. They're in every break of the game, every minute, every second. In this game, we fight for that inch. In this game, we tear ourselves and everyone else around us to pieces for that inch. We claw with our fingernails for that inch because we know that when we add up all those inches, that's going to make the difference between winning and losing, between living and dying. But I tell you this, in any fight, it's a man who's willing to die who's going to win that inch. And I know if I'm going to have any life anymore, it's because I'm still willing to fight and die for that inch. Because that's what living. The six inches in front of your face. You've got to look at that man next to you. Look into his eyes. Now I think you're going to see a man who will go that inch with you. You're going to see a man who will sacrifice himself for the team because he knows when it comes down to it, you're going to do the same for him. That's the definition of a team. But either we play as a team or we will die as individuals. Hi everybody and welcome to the first ever Anfield Index Sinbin Rugby Podcast. Tonight we're going to take a look at the, the Rugby World Cup which is coming up in the next couple of weeks and we're going to look exclusively at uh, the home nations, um, the, the Northern Hemisphere teams. Um, joining me tonight on the pod, I, I'm very pleased to announce that I have John O'Sullivan from Clifton in Connemara, County Galway. Welcome John. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're very welcome, fellow Irishman. Uh, also joining us on the pod tonight, we have George Berman. Uh, he's a Welshman, but tonight, in the absence of our Scottish rep, he's going to take a bit of a look at, at Scotland for us. Uh, he's currently in London. Welcome, George, to the pod. Hi, mate. Cheers for having me on. No problem. You're very welcome. Uh, and we have Sam Evans, another Welshman from Clonethley, Um and he's going to be discussing Wales tonight for us. Uh, you're very welcome on the pod, Sam. Sure, my boys. How's it going? All, all going good. And last but certainly not least, uh, our, our, our Englishman, uh, who's host, uh, the, the, representing the hosts of the tournament, uh, Callum Huckle from Bristol in England. You're very welcome, Callum. Hey guys, thanks for having me on. You're very welcome. Listen, what we're going to do first, before we get down into uh, taking a bit of a look at the Rugby World Cup, uh, we're going to go around the table, uh, a bit of an introduction, a little bit about yourself, how you started following rugby, your favourite teams and players, etc. John, you're first up, fellow Irishman. You want to give us a bit of a rundown on it there, mate? I've kind of been following rugby all my life because where I'm from in uh, the extreme west of Ireland is home to a rugby club called Connemara RFC, who, uh, who are actually quite famous for, uh, one, for their proximity in the extreme west of Ireland in a very rural area, but and two, despite this, their success. So uh, I think I've always been a big fan of rugby. And then growing up a Connex fan, which hasn't always been easy, but uh, 
that's been offset a bit by Ireland being quite successful during my lifetime. So, yeah, I'm dying. I'm dying. The world rugby fan involved in my local club in a few capacities. So, I'm really looking forward to contributing to this. That's cool. And and who would be your sort of favourite players? You know, who who have, who's inspired you over the years? Oh, it has to be Brian O'Driscoll. I think any Irish person below the age of about thirty, O'Driscoll is a hundred percent the best player they've ever seen play for our country, and so it's indisputable that he's my favourite player of all time. No, I hear you. Like I'm, I'm, I'm pushing fifty, and and I couldn't disagree with you. He's still probably about the best that I ever saw in a green shirt for sure. Listen, that's great. Well, we'll swing across to George. Um, same, same again for you, George. You want to tell us a wee bit about how you got into rugby and and, and, and who you follow, etc. Yeah, so my um my my grandpa actually played uh played to a really high level. He he played against the All Blacks when they were touring over. He played for Swansea, played for Leicester. So um it's always just sort of been there really. Um and obviously he played a lot when I was at school and at at university as well. So um yeah, lots of uh lots of long Friday nights inflicted on the rest of my family watching Welsh rugby over the years. Um so poor poor people really. But but yeah, no, always always just been rugby rugby going on. No, that's cool. And and, and any players? Who who's your favourite Welsh player? Or, is it, or maybe you haven't someone who's non-Welsh. Um, who who be your favourites? Uh, I, lo- I love watching Quay Cooper play, and I, you know it, it can be slightly catastrophic. But um, watching him play for for Queensland for the Reds down in Australia when they were. They won the Super Rugby title. was pretty special. Um, loved watching Nick Abandonen play over the years for Bath. Now he's over in, in France with Clermont. He's a really, really talented player. Wales-wise, uh, probably won't be very popular. Gavin Hansen, especially back in the day, such a wasted talent, but, but, but just an incredible player. And then obviously now, stating the obvious, but, but, but Sam Warburton's just just an unbelievable player. I don't think he quite gets the credit he deserves from some people um, on his day. It's just, just on another level. So, um, yeah, but that could go on for hours, really. There's so many of them out there at the moment. No, and, and hence is a good call as well. Slightly controversial, but I'll tell you what, uh, another sportsman. Um, I remember I, I was actually at the Ospreys whenever Ulster won the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the Celtic League, as it was at that time. And uh, Davy Humphreys had a, hit a drop kick and it hit both posts and went over. And there was a bit of uncertainty. Henson was the first man there going, it was over, it was over. I'll tell you what, he may have been a playboy, all the rest of it, but I'll tell you, he earned a bit of respect from me that night. Listen, that's great. Sam, again, uh, do you want to come in and tell us a little bit about how you got involved in rugby and, and your favourite players, your teams, etc.? Go ahead. Um, yeah, I think it started with my uh, my grandfather got me a Scarlet season ticket when I was about six years old. So I used to go to every game with Scarlet from about six to about 18 years old, really. Uh, so it's just been Scarlet for me and Wales, obviously. So basically, I've witnessed Scarlet beating Australia to losing against Treviso by 50 points. So I've, I've seen a bit of a spectrum of all of the types of games. When it comes to players, uh, when I was a kid, my favourite player by far was Ian Evans. Uh, I think the fact that he had the same surname as me was uh, incidental, but uh, he's a bit of a try machine. And one of my kind of unusual shouts for one of my favourite players as well uh, was Frano Bortica. Uh, a lot of people might not realise he came to Scarlets because he was a massive rugby league player for Wigan but uh, Scarlets were probably the worst I've ever seen them at the time and they chucked some money at getting Frano Bortica in and he was actually unbelievable in uh, in Union as well and he was a total kicking machine so uh, yeah they're my shouts for, for players with Scarlets. What about you, Callum? What's your connection with rugby? How did you get into it? Uh, your favourite teams and players, mate? I guess Bristol, because obviously it's a bit local. But I, my, yeah, I used to have a season ticket for a few years when we were last in the Prem. Obviously, obviously we've had a bit of trouble the last few years trying to come back up. We've, I think we've lost in the playoffs the last three years in a row. And I went to, uh, we lost against Worcester, which I was there for the other day, which is a bit of a sh- well, not the other day, obviously, but which is a bit of a shame. But yeah, hopefully we'll be back up in the top tier soon. But it's not looking bright based on the last few years, unfortunately. That's cool, Callum. As I say, hopefully Bristol can get back into the top flight again for you. You know, they used to be a fairly decent team. Um, I would like to see them back up there again. Uh, as for myself, because I've forgotten to introduce myself at the intro, my name's Dave Caron. I live in uh, Pipa, Rio Grande do North in Brazil. I'm a sort of an exiled Ulsterman. I, I used to play rugby uh, up the schools level. It was, it used to be a fairly handy uh, fullback. But then I discovered beer and it all went to shit after that. So uh, I started watching. 
Uh, I was a season ticket holder whenever I, I used to live back home in, in Belfast and used to go to all the games, went to quite a lot of the away games as well. Um, certainly in the old Celtic League um, before before the Pro 12. I suppose really my age, my, my favourite player of all time would be Jonah Lomu. I've never saw anything like it in my life. I don't think I've ever seen anything just that destructive ever again on, on a rugby field. He just was a, a force of nature. Never ever saw the like of him. And as I say, I really don't think I'll see it again. But listen, we're going to go straight into um, the, the group stages of the, uh, the Rugby World Cup, which is starting on the 18th of this month. And again, I'm going to come to John first. A little Irish bias because there's two of us here. Well, there's actually two Welshmen here as well, but, but uh, one's talking about Scotland. So we're, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about Ireland, first of all. John, tell me this. What did you make of the, the group draw that we have and, and the teams we're going to face in the group and, and our chances of, of progression? What, what do you make of it so far? I actually think the the rugby gods are kind of smiled in Ireland for once at this. Uh, relatively speaking, it's not that bad of a pool, and it's one that re- realistically, as things stand, Ireland should definitely be looking to win. And that, um, with with that in mind, they should uh, have a favourable draw in in the quarterfinals and hopefully onto the semis. I mean, look, Canada, Italy, Romania should be must wins by a fair margin by Ireland, with all due respect to those nations. And the only caveat is France because. France being France could be unbelievable or could be woeful, or even they could be unbelievable and woeful in the same game. They're so predictably unpredictable that it's uh, it, it's difficult it's difficult to call. And uh, true, they've had a they've had kind of a torrid last two or three years, but they showed they showed in beating England in Paris about two weeks ago that they still have uh, still have the capabilities to pull away the bigger teams because when you look at their squad, it's chocker block full of fantastic players. I think the only reservation with France is uh, Philippe Saint-André and his selection policy, which uh, <laughs> at the best of times begars belief. I mean, not taking Francois Tranduc was a, was a terrible decision. And uh, I think Michelin is still around there somewhere. So, yeah, it's a bit of a head-scratcher, but they're definitely a dangerous side. But Ireland, under Smith, with the form they're in, they should really be winning that group, I think. No, I hear you. For me, when I look at the group, it's just, it's that old French hoodoo, you know, and, and you'll know yourself, being Irish, over the years, you know, we've gone into many a game against France going, we should take these boys, but you never know what you're going to get. And, and you know, I read somewhere recently um, a review on, on uh, the, the French team, and it's like, you know, the French can pull uh, 80 minutes from nowhere uh, in any game, but in the new form they're lucky to be able to put together 20 minutes in a game. And for that, I really do think, and also French teams, whether they be club teams or the international team, they, they sometimes don't travel so well. And, you know, for that, I do think Ireland should top that group. Uh, what, what did you make of the, uh, the, the team selection? And I know from an Ulsterman's point of view, I'm not very happy about Andy Trimble getting the chop. Uh, but uh, as regards to the rest, what, what, you're happy enough with the, the team selection and the squad that he's going to take forward? It's a little bit strange. It looks like he's experimenting in certain areas. For one, I think having only two natural scrum halves and relying on Ian Madigan to be the third scrum half is a bit of a weird call because he's never played in that position in club nor test rugby. So uh, he's maybe leaving himself a little bit exposed there. It reminds me of the time that uh, that Warren Gatlin took Stuart Hogg as the third out half on the Lions tour down to Australia. Hopefully, it won't get to it won't get to a place where uh, we need to call upon him. But uh, it's a bit of a risk, I think. Otherwise, having uh, Keen Healy there is great news. Uh, there was kind of touch and go whether or not he'd be included, but it's great that, that he's been deemed fit enough to travel. Uh, I also think putting out Andrew Trimble was maybe a tad harsh because it was only a year ago where he was voted Irish, Irish Players Player of the Year. But I think just his injuries and the build-up to the World Cup and the fact that uh, the players who have come into the squad instead of him, namely Simon Zebo and Luke Fitzgerald, can cover a few positions is probably the rationale behind that decision. No, I hear you, but uh, I, I would sort of refute that one. Uh, as I say, I've watched, I watched Trimble from, from, you know, from he was no age, and I've seen, him play le- I've seen him play fullback, and I've seen him play in the centre, I've seen him play on the wing. He has versatility. You know, I've seen Tommy Bowe do exactly the same thing uh, for Ulster. Um, it, it, to me, you know, I understand that Trimble ha- has had this foot injury, and, and he hasn't had a lot of time. But he does have a hell of a lot of experience, which I hope that we don't miss. You know, I, I trust Joe Smith. I really do. I think we're, we're in a completely different world with him um, going into this World Cup. And, you know, we're, we're the perennial quarterfinalist faller. 
um, normally in the World Cup, and I would just hope that this time that, that we can we can break that hoodoo at least get to a semi final. But listen, we'll, we'll move on across um, to, to George, and George is going to take a little bit of a look at Scotland for us. A, a team close to my heart. I'd, I'd love to see Scotland really do well in, in, in this tournament. You know, they've had a torrid time of it over the last sort of five, six years, um, you know, so on the back of some terrible results internationally. Uh, George, what, what, what do you make of their group and, and their prospects? I, I think the group looks physical first and foremost to me. Um, you know, you look at South Africa just... You know, up front, especially, you know, you've got, you know, these guys like Bismarck Duplessis, you know, Dwayne Vermeulen, Eben Etzebaugh, they're just big, big men. And the turnaround from playing a test match against those guys to playing, you know, a team like Samoa um, is going to be really tough. And I, I think you can kind of see in what Van Kott has done with who he's picked and his, and his back row selection, especially, which has been quite controversial. He's got a lot of hard ball carriers which is obviously to try and kind of combat the physicality they're going to face there. You know, I, I actually have really high hopes for the South African side for the tournament. I, they're sort of going quite nicely under the radar. So I, I wouldn't expect Scotland are going to get much out of that game. Um, so you'd think it would come down to the Samoa game, which could be could be close. You know, they've got a lot of good players, Samoa. You know, Tim Nanai-Williams is a guy, sort of an outside back, who's, who's been a mainstay in... Uh, Waikato Chiefs side, which have won two Super Rugby titles in recent years, really talented. The PC brothers at Northampton, Khan Ali at Northampton as well as a scrum half. Um, and then up front, they've got Mulipolo, the prop, who starts for Leicester, should help anchor the scrum out a bit. So it's going to be tough games for Scotland, but, you know, they, they, they should expect to beat Samoa. And I think, you know, if they get to the quarterfinal, realistically, that, that's got to be the expectation. And then they can... You know, they've not really got anything to lose. No, I hear you. It, it's like, you know, the Pacific Island sides, you know, you have Fiji, Samoa uh, and Tonga. The one thing that they, you can count on is they have a massive pack and they are totally physical. And it's what they take. Uh, for me, it's what I, I don't see a problem with, with Scotland getting past Samoa. I think it's just what Samoa take out of take out of the legs of Scotland. Would you agree on that? I, I mean, I, this probably won't be very popular with many Scots, um, especially as I'm not actually Scottish and I'm speaking about Scotland. Um, so apologies in advance. Uh, but I do I do think it will be a really tough game for them. I think a lot of people just think Samoa, they'll be really, you know, really physical. And it, they've got a lot of these backs. They've got a lot of these guys are playing really high level rugby and they're clever players. You know, Khan Foto Ali is a really clever player. So I, I, it's a real potential banana skin. Um the difficult thing with Scotland is you just don't know how they're going to play. They, they sort of thumped Argentina, put 40 points on them last autumn. Um, there have been really good signs in places, but the Six Nations was massively disappointing for them, you know, in terms of closing out games, get, getting close in games, and, and just sort of um, not quite getting over the hill. So I, I just, I, I do worry for them, and I think there's a lot of pressure. I don't think Samoa will really feel the pressure. So, so I do think it, it could be a tight one, um, and definitely I know you know Van Cotter picked his squad yesterday. And there's been a lot of controversy about the back row selection. He's left out John Barkley, who you know we know a lot about. You know down at the Scarlets, I've watched a lot of his really really talented open side, um, and Blair Cowan from London Irish who was probably their best forward um, last year, if not one of. All for this this guy John Hardy, who they've sort of. Is basically a Kiwi who they fast tracked in from the Highlanders, um, which is a hu- huge call. So, I've, you know, I, I do think there are a lot of questions. He's, he's picked Greg Laidlaw as captain, who, you know, I think there was a lot of pressure for Sam Hidalgo Klein to be starting. The young scrum half from Edinburgh has been one of the outstanding players in Scotland last season. So, yeah, there are a lot of question marks around his selection first out. Um, and, and they're just going to have to see how they go. Um, but I, I think, you know, the Samoa game is obviously the big one. Um, and if they can get through that, then, you know, we'll see in the quarterfinal. But realistically, to expect them to uh, to get past whether it's going to be Australia, Wales or England coming through as runner-up from that group is, is probably going to be a bit of a, bit of a step too far. No, that, that's, that's grand, George. I'd say for me, I think the problem with Scotland is, uh, as we, we discussed in the pre-pod, was... You know, bar their 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 starting fifteen, they're they're a little bit thin on the ground, uh, and certainly any injuries might might hinder their progress. But 
I think it's time to move across now to, to, to a very interesting pool in Pool A, uh, which involves England and Wales, uh, along with Australia. So we're, go- we're going to come across to Sam here. And uh, again, do you, want, do you want to talk us through the, the group as you see it, Sam, and the challenges that Wales will have uh, going forward? Yeah, of course. Um, really looking forward to the draw. Can't believe our luck that we've had England in the group stages. I was really looking forward to hopefully knocking them out in the latter stages, but uh, there we are. We've got to take it as it comes. Uh, if we go through the teams in the group, uh, Australia, first of all, usually I'll have absolutely no confidence playing Australia or any other uh, Southern Hemisphere side, to be honest with you. But after last year that we finally managed to get a scalp against the Southern Hemisphere side in South Africa uh, when we beat them 12-6, um, I'm feeling a little bit more optimistic now, a uh, bit nervous uh, that they've finally pulled their fingers out and brought Matt Gitto back into the side. Uh, I think he's by far their standout player, uh, so a bit concerned about that. Regards to England, again, you know, it was a narrow defeat uh, earlier on in the year uh, with England. Uh, I think it was uh, 21 points to 16. Uh, but, you know, recent record has been good um, against England. So I fancy our chances, even though uh, we are actually playing them on their own home turf. Um, when it comes to Fiji, a lot of people might just write off Fiji as another, you know, another banker. But it wasn't long ago. I think it was last year's Autumn Internationals, actually, that we only just beat them. I think it was 17-13. And they completely nullified our physicality, um, our usual game where we just go up the middle, Jamie Roberts slamming up the middle, get it wide. Well, their physicality actually trumped ours that day and we were really lucky to get away with the win. So I think anyone expecting us to give them a hiding are going to be in for a surprise. So I think that'll be a tough one. In regards to Uruguay, to be honest with you, I know very little about them, but I, I've actually got tickets for that game and I thoroughly expect us to give them a bit of a hiding. But... And I really hope we do because we've got England coming up straight after it. So if we can get get some points on the board against them, get the confidence up, ready to play England at Twickers. No, I hear you. I think, you know, I, for, I fancy the Welsh against the English personally. Um, you know, especially if you can get at them in the, in, in the first quarter uh, and get the crowd, you know, quiet. Well, not that they're, they're ever that loud and twicking them anyhow, but uh, I feel that there's an opportunity there uh, for, for Wales to, to, uh, to advance from that group. I'll say but a lot depends on, on Australia beating England, but I, but I do fancy the Welsh. I'm going to come across to Callum uh, from, from an English perspective, same group, same questions. Uh, how are you feeling about it from, from an English perspective? Are you nervous? Not really. I mean, it is, you know, like your typical group of death and that um, there's going to be us, Wales and Australia fighting to get out of it. I don't really see much. I think... Uh, one of the positives I will take away is I reckon we've got the best fixture run, as in we turn up, we've got Fiji, which, you know, they're not they're not an awful side, so they're not going to roll over in the same way you'd, you'd pretty much expect Uruguay to because, you know, they're a semi-pro team and it's the World Cup. But I think you, Fiji would be a good little challenge. And then we play Wales and Australia, obviously, and if we can get past Wales um, in the second game, then Australia, there will be less pressure, so they might go out and enjoy it more, maybe get a better result. And then to finish off, we'll know... We might potentially know exactly how many points we need against Uruguay as well. So, yeah, that's given me a bit of hope. But, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty confident, to be honest. It's home turf as well. All the games will be at Twickenham, which is usually a good thing. Yeah, and Ireland go there at the weekend. It'll be interesting to see how they do there. Um, you know, I'm sure England don't want to, want any kind of defeat uh, in their last warm-up game, certainly not at Twickenham. Um, I think they could have picked maybe a better side in Ireland uh, to achieve that. Um, I, I'm just wondering, are you, are, would you be confident of, of England beating Australia as well, uh, Callum, or, or do you see that as your danger game? That's definitely the danger game for me, because I think it's less... It's less about us, it's more the fact that I'd say Australia are better than Wales, so that's why it'd be a bit more dangerous for us. I'd say we're a bit more used to Wales, you know, we played them in the Six Nations already this year. And I think, who have we got then? If we go through, who have we got? Scotland or, it'll be Scotland or South Africa, won't it? Well, you do think Scotland or South Africa. I mean, going through second and playing South Africa probably wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I mean, they they lost the rugby championship, sorry, Tri-Nations, Coordinations thing this year, didn't they? 
Am I correct? Yeah. Am I correct? Then they came last. So I, I, I don't think going through second would be the worst thing in the world. But yeah, I think if we can win against Wales, Fiji and Uruguay, or even just even if we just get through Wales and Fiji, I think we'll we'll really fancy ourselves against Australia, to be honest. No, it's funny you, you mentioned South Africa because Brent, who, who's going to be on the next pod for the Southern Hemisphere, he's not at all confident about about the box this time round. He he he, he thinks even though they seem to have turned it round, they've certainly improved the performances um, over the course of the year. But he, he's not particularly, um, you know, not not the confidence you would expect from from a South African, you know, who traditionally have a very strong squad and they're very difficult to beat. But he's he's not at all confident. Um, uh, Sam, I'm going to come back to you again. Uh, you know, if if I had to ask you how you saw the group going and you had had to pick your two your two teams to go through, who would it be today? Right, with my heart, um, I'll definitely have to say Wales and Australia. Uh, but I think I'll have to tell you what I'm. I'm going to go for a bit of an outside shout, and I'm going to say it's actually going to be Wales and England are both going to get through. And we're going to be knocking out Australia. Um, I think the fact that we've got the the tournament being played in the UK might actually just swing in our favour. So I'm going to say England might top it because uh, I just typical England they'll put a hundred points on Uruguay and they'll do us on points there. Uh, and I'll say Wales will come second. Ooh, controversial, Callum. A reaction to that one. That sounds fair enough. You can have that, and we'll go through tough. I don't really mind. Um, no, I think I think it'll probably be us in Australia, and it'll be a bit tight. And it depends how well each was doing against Wales. I think personally, not no, to be too harsh, Sam. Sorry. <laughs> no, it, it really is a group of death. Uh, and, and George, I'm going to come to you because you, ultimately you're a Welshman as well, um, and, and this is the group of death. I, I'd, I'd be curious to hear your spin on it. I've just been sitting here very quietly taking in the uh, the English confidence. So no, I think I, I, I think it's nice, mate. No one seems to be talking about Wales. You know, everyone seems to expect that England and Australia are going to go through. I, I I think it's so tight that to, to try and confidently predict which one of those three teams it's going to, uh, which two of those three teams it's going to be is, you know, I. How can you call it? These games sort of um, are determined by such fine margins. I, I think Wales have been building up to this for a long time. You know, before the Six Nations, they basically went away for two weeks and, and just did conditioning. So I don't think Gatlin was too fussed about um, what was happening in the Six Nations. He was looking at the shape they were going to be, um, the shape they were going to be in, and kind of taking a longer term view. You know, it's it's all down to that first game between Wales and England. I think Australia will get out of the group. I think they're too good not to. But um, it's all going to be down to that first game. And, I, you know, I, I do think there are questions about England um, in terms of selection, um, in terms of their pack, which isn't looking quite as bullish as it probably should. So, you know, I, I can see Wales beating England in that game, but sort of whisper it quietly. No, I hear for for me, I look at it and, and I think to myself, um, you know, it could come down to who racks up the most points against Uruguay. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to say against Fiji because they're a decent side, but it could come down to to, to points difference if, if teams beat each other, and, and it, it's a fascinating group. John, from an Irish perspective, we'll, we'll, we'll close up. I'll, I'll give you a say on it. Uh, how, how do you see Group A going? Because it is quite an interesting one. I think since um, since Michael Cech has taken over Australia, they've had an evolution uh, in kind of a style for years. Australia were a bit a bit flaky, could be often be brilliant out the back line, but maybe a bit powder puff up front. But I think since he's come in, he's brought down maybe some some of the things he's learned in Northern Hemisphere rugby uh, in his time at Leinster, and they're now a lot more formidable up front. So I actually think there could be dark horses for the World Cup, and uh, I think key for them is facing is facing Hooper and Pocock into the same team. But if they can get that right and uh, their backline can do what we know they can do, they're definitely, definitely contenders to win it for me. And I see them as a certainty to go through. And England and Wales is very, very difficult to, uh, is very difficult to predict who will go through out of that. I think I would just go for Wales, maybe just slightly, because the pressure on England is going to be absolutely immense. 
No, I'll say with that home, you know, that home advantage, you know yourself, it only takes something to go wrong and the crowd get tetchy and, and the whole thing can fall apart. I look at Group A and just say, thank fuck Ireland's out of that, you know. <laughs> it, it, it's a scary book. He's like, uh, when you look at it, 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 it's just not where you want to be. And three big nations like Wales, England and Australia together in a group, you know, it... it, it for me, it's, it's sad in a way as well because you're, you're killing this, a spectacle as such because you're, you're losing one of the big guns at, at too early a stage. But listen, we're going to move on. I'll stick with you, John. Um, the Irish squad announced um, earlier in the week there. Who, who do you see as the key performers? Who, who's going to be the key men to Ireland's success? I think certainly if we can get um, if we can get parity in the pack in the latter stage of tournaments, uh, that would be crucial for us. So. The likes of Keane Healy, Mike Ross will be very important. Uh, Ireland's line-out is a massive weapon. So hopefully Rory Best can uh, have his darts on point, so to speak. Uh, obviously Paul O'Connell in the second row. And uh, Ian Henderson, after his performances in the warm-up games, would nearly be nearly near enough a starter now for Ireland. And I think that adds another dimension to the team. So he could be crucial. And then uh, obviously you have the halfbacks. I think most of Ireland's game is predicated on the kicking game of... Uh, Conor Murray and Jonathan Sexton so keeping them fit is absolutely imperative for Ireland in particular Sexton because the drop off from Sexton with all due respect uh, to Madigan and Jackson is massive so Ireland keeping Sexton is the key for them progressing well and matching expectations in this World Cup I think he's the key no, I would agree with you, Sexton and, and you know O'Connell as well I think his, his leadership is going to, is going to be a, a massive a key to the door for Ireland. Um, you know, I, I, I unfortunately didn't get to see the game live at the weekend, but you know, I just I, I caught it on YouTube. And his reaction at the end of the game, you know, losing his last ever game at home, he wasn't happy. And you know, while you can see that as a negative, I see it as a positive because the man looked totally fired up, and he and he can change a game, can Paul O'Connell, and and I would just love to see him go out on a high. Um, what's your thoughts on Peter O'Mahony? Because for me, I think he's he's very much key to, to Ireland's success. The work rate of the, this guy, you know, I actually never got to see him play. I've been in South America uh, whenever he came through. Um, but, you know, I saw him in the, in the Six Nations last year. It was the start of it. And I have been so impressed by this guy. What, what's your opinion of him? Uh, I think he's one of those players that the opposition absolutely hates to play. He reminds me of uh, Alan Quinlan in the way he... He winds up opposition players. He's always in their ear. He's passionate. He's just he's just a bit of an all-round terror. His all-round game is very good. He's a decent line-out option. He's good at the breakdown. He can tackle. He can carry. He can link. But uh, if you ever notice any scuffling in the Ireland game, he's always first and foremost in amongst it all. So I think having him there uh, for his playing abilities, obviously, but I think psychologically he uh, he can get into the heads of the opposition players. Famously, uh, Alan Quinlan got Fabian Palou's uh, sin bin in the Heinz Cup final for uh, giving him a boot up the arse after he'd been in his ear all day. And I think uh, O'Mahony... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Typical monster fashion has a similar kind of attributes to Quinlan. 
Ah, uh, indeed. And I'll tell you, you know, as I, said, I was just so impressed with him. I can't wait to see him in this World Cup. I just think he's going to be... I, I really do believe that he's going to be standout for Ireland. Uh, I'll come back to George again uh, for, for the Scots. Um, who, who do you see as the key men there um, to, to, to Scotland advancing? Uh, look, I think um, I think Finn Russell, who is you know still a really young guy who's come through for Glasgow in the last sort of uh, couple of years, year and a half, is is just key um, to, to pretty much everything they do. Um, you know, his tactical kicking game in particular has been really strong. You know, he, he tends to put his teams in the right areas of the pitch, um, which we know in these high pressure games is just so important. So he he has to stay fit. Otherwise, you know, I think they've got this guy, they've picked this guy, this African, Josh Strauss, um, who's, I think he qualifies from residency uh, on the three-year residency rule on the 18th of September. Um, is a guy who, who was playing Captain the Lions in South Africa, um, Johannesburg Lions, sorry, not the British and Irish, and was really impressive for them. They brought him over to Glasgow on a big money deal. He will play at eight for them, and he's a really strong ball carrier. Um, so they need him to get them over the gain line. Johnny Gray is a massive player. Would definitely go to New Zealand with the Lions in 2017. Otherwise, you know, Mark Bennett at 13 is huge for them. They've lost Alex Dunbar, which is a real shame. And then, and then Stuart Hogg obviously is really that you know he's their game breaker from the back. If teams kick loosely to him, then he'll he'll run it back, and you know he'll beat a few tackles. So. Um, you know, I'd say the spine going through their front row is pretty strong. You know, I don't think they'll go too far backwards in the set piece. So, um, so yeah, they need those guys to step up. And as you said earlier, they need them to stay fit because if those guys go down, there's there's not a whole lot behind. Um, and they've left some good players out of the squad as well. So, um, so yeah, they need to keep their key players fit. Otherwise, they'll be in trouble, I think. No, I hear you with Hogg. Uh, I, I would call him the standout performer in the, in the Scotland team. He, he is quite impressive. And as you say, any loose ball there, he's going to run it straight back at you. Um, you know, as a really good shout. So, Sam, um, Wales, who, who's the key to the, who's the key to progression? What players do you see as, as being essential for them to progress? Right. First of all, definitely Alan Wynne Jones. Uh, he's an absolute physical machine. Uh, he turns up every single game. His physicality, work of the breakdown and tackling is just unbelievable at times. So he's an absolute key for us. Uh, one big bonus for us is having George North back. If you remember, he got himself knocked out, I think it was about three or four times in the space of a week or two. And uh, you know his health was actually at risk quite badly there. So really good to have him back in the team now. Uh, he played really well against Ireland the other day. If we can secure some good go-forward ball, I reckon North is going to be really hard to stop. The other key area is seven. Uh, for me, Tipperick has been absolutely outstanding of late. I, it's such a shame that the other seven is Warburton, who is obviously our captain. And you know, there's no way that Tipperick is going to be starting ahead of him. And unfortunately, there's no place for Tipperick unless he's playing seven. Uh, you know, with Tipperick, some of his link-up play is unbelievable, uh, reminiscent of Martin Williams in his pomp, really. And when we have Tipperick in the team, I think our attack actually functions a lot better. But you just can't leave Warburton out. In, in the modern game, the breakdown is such a key area, and Warburton is just so dominant in that area. So if you've got Warburton, he's a big game player, and I think he's he's going to be the man. Uh, and the last one, of course, is Halfpenny. Uh, his kicking is insane. The the guy just doesn't seem to miss. Uh, so, you know, even though Halfpenny, I, I personally think Liam Williams is a better attacking runner than Halfpenny from fullback. You've got to have him in the team because his kicking is just metronomical. And when he's there in the tight games, it's the kickers that win you the matches. No, I hear you on that. Absolutely. You know, all, all the tactics comes down to, 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 to how well you're kicking, your place kicking is. Um, and I want to come across to, to Callum uh, for, for England. This rolling mall seems to have been the, the preferred weapon, um, certainly during the Six Nations and since then. Uh, what players do you see as standout performers for England and who, who do you think they're going to rely on heavily? Um, I think given it seems like quite a young squad to me with not much experience I reckon 
Dan Coles and James Haskell have been kicking around for quite a while, so they'll be quite important, especially Dan Coles. Um, as he plays tight head, doesn't he? Yeah. Especially at the front, Dan Coles. Rob Shaw needs to, you know, play really well, basically, because it's just a basic cliche, the fact that he's a captain and it's a home World Cup, and he will have to step up for that, I reckon. Apart from that, I'm not sure, because obviously there are selection issues. I don't know who's playing where. Like, I think Vuni Polo could be really important, but is Morgan going to play instead of him? I know he had that. Do you have a knee injury or something? But, yeah, I think the more experienced guys are going to have to step up. So, you know, Chris, yeah, like I said, Chris Robshaw, Dan Coles, Jim Haskell, the um, more experienced guys, definitely. No, I, I hear you on that. Listen, I, I'm going I'm to ask you, uh, you know, realistically, from an England point of view, what is the minimum that's going to be acceptable for England in a home World Cup. Uh, what 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 performance do you see as being the, the very minimum required to, to 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 be satisfactory? I think given the group, we've probably bought ourselves a bit of bit of leeway, bit of margin for error, considering there are Wales and Australia in our group. If we were like if we had the same group as say New Zealand, which is well for them especially. I mean, it's just how many points can they put against those teams? Argentina, Tonga, Georgia, and Namibia. It's like can we break some records, I guess? If we were in that kind of group, then yeah, it would be get through that, get get through the quarters because you would be playing a weaker side because you'd finish top. But absolute minimums, definitely. You've got to get out of the group, really. It's home World Cup. Every game's at Twickenham. And Australia, Wales are, like, are beatable. I mean, I know it works both ways in the, same, in the sense that those three, Australia, England and Wales, will be expecting... They'll all go into those games thinking, yeah, we can win both of these. So, And it does work for us. So I think... Absolute minimums out of the group, but once we get, if we get out of the group, I think definitely, definitely the semis because Scotland or South Africa are more winnable than Australia or Wales, I'd say. I'll tell you, can I ask you, are you at all worried um, about, you know, the fact that you have Australia and, and Wales, which are two sort of major games, um, and it's going to take a lot out of those players, like you're going to need to be on the top of your game for it. Uh, would you worry about that uh, for, for the later stages? You know, the fact that it's the, the two intense test matches, you know, coming at them very quickly and then, you know, you enter the knockout phases. Do you, do you think that that could have a detrimental effect? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it is a tournament rather than a Six Nations where there's a bit more of a break. Um, but yeah, yeah, they are, because it's not just the fact that they're, well, it's, it's yeah, it's the encompassing fact that they are more high pressure because they're harder teams. It's it, their test that would be treated with a bit more respect um, anyway, even if it wasn't a World Cup. So, yeah, we're definitely down. But the same applies to Wales and Australia, I guess, because we're all going to play each other once before we play the others. So, I think, anyway. So, yeah, I think later on, I, I think it's good that we've got Uruguay last because we can maybe, let, if we know we're through or if we know we don't have to score that many points, maybe, um, we can, you know, let off some steam against them and just have a bit of fun with it. Yeah. No, indeed, indeed. Sam, for you, um, again, you know, what, what is, what's the, what's the minimum that uh, thinking in Wales that you know is acceptable given the group that you that you have? Um, what, what do you see as the minimum that is going to be acceptable for Wales? Despite the fact that we have got the group of death, uh, you've still got to say minimum requirement. You, you want to get out of the group, uh, you know, especially after the disappointment of, of the 2011 World Cup. Uh, the, the infamous Warburton red card felt really hard done by there. I think some of these players have got something to prove and, you know, they want to get that off their chest. So I'm hoping minimum requirement is get out of the group. But fingers crossed, we we can progress and go on a bit further. No, I hear you. And and again, I'm going to ask you the same question. Are, would you would you be concerned about you know um, th- those two big test matches and matches if you do get through uh, could come back to haunt you later on in the uh, the tournament? Yeah, very much so. Um, one thing I'll say about Wales, uh, a bit like what you said about Scotland earlier. I'm a bit fearful that we haven't quite got the depth that some of the other nations have got. So if we've got England, Australia and Fiji, they're all going to be really physical games. I'm concerned in this day and age, there's a lot of injuries uh, that teams are picking up. Um, Another factor as well is uh, the fact we've only brought two hookers along with us. Um, So that's a concern in the fact that if we drop one of them, 
uh, they've brought in some new rulings regard to that as well, uh, where you're supposed to have two specialist hookers on the bench. So that might even come into play if we do make it through the, the, the pool. In the knockout stages, we might have some problems. No, and, and, and that's, that's a very good point, actually. George, from, from a Scottish point of view, what do you feel that, that, that will be the minimum requirement for the Scots? They've, they've got to get out of the group. Um, you know, I, I think from, from reading what a lot of people seem to be saying, and, you know, obviously I, I used to live up there, so you kind of get a, a sense for what the expectation is. Um, I, I, I think that probably, you know, people underestimate Samoa a bit, and, you know, there's, um, don't quite realise that, that there are a lot of really good players who can be playing for them, and I think they'll be really dangerous. I think you know if Wales were playing Samoa a bit like when we're playing Fiji, I think it's a real banana skin um, on their day. So you know, ne- nevertheless, I, I, I think if Scotland don't get out of that group, then it, it's just not going to look good, is it? Um, especially when you consider that you know teams like Wales and you know Wales are such a bad run and then slipped in the rankings and got this awful group draw. Um, Scotland have managed to avoid being in a group like that. So, you know, if they didn't take that opportunity to then um, to then get out, it would just be hugely disappointing for them. Um, so, so they've got to make it out of the group. They've, they've, they've got to make sure they beat Samoa. That's the big game for them. No, indeed. And, and you know, I, I would love to see them get out of the group. I mean, it's actually unthinkable that they don't get out of the group, really. And, and we've, got to, we've got to keep Flora Scotland going as long as we can. One of the, be- one of the best sporting anthems you'll ever hear, you know. Uh, we've got to keep it in the tournament as long as possible. John, my man, Ireland, uh, this is a tricky one. How far do you think that we can realistically go with this tournament? I know that people are trying to talk us up. Are, are you cautious or are you, are you on board the, uh, the, the hype train? For the love of Christ, can we please just get past the quarterfinals first and foremost? Because it's been such a monkey on our back <laughs> for the entirety of the time I've ever been spent watching rugby. It's just we've been the perennial quarterfinalist chokers. So please, God, can we get past the quarterfinals? But realistically, I think we're very, very capable of going to the semifinals. And once you're in that stage of the tournament, anything could happen. I don't think we'll get to the final personally. But once you get to the semifinals, anything can happen. No, I hear you. And, and quite interestingly, you know, the guys from South Africa and New Zealand who are, who are going to be coming on the pod are very, very wary of Ireland at the moment. Um, very, very much see us as a, as a dark horse for the whole tournament. Whilst half of me is excited by that, the other half of me is sort of filled with dread, as you say. <laughs> we can't get past the quarterfinals. Do you, do you think that Joe Smith will be the difference this time for us? Do you think he, he's, he, he's raised to professionalism? Personally, I think he's raised to professionalism uh, levels that we've never seen before. Um, certainly when you look back at the likes of O'Sullivan and whatnot, you know, we're, we're on a different planet. Oh, uh, yeah, I think it's a completely different culture. Uh, as you know, with Irish sporting teams, a lot of times there tends to be nearly an inferiority complex. But genuinely, with the exception of New Zealand, I don't think this Irish team fears anybody because in the last number of years, they've beaten everybody with the exception of New Zealand. And we, you all know how close we went to beat New Zealand. Uh, heartbreakingly so. I mean, it was 30 seconds between our first ever win against New Zealand and an agonising loss. So with the exception of them, I don't think we fear anybody. And rightly so, because if you look at it, this is an exceptionally good Irish team. No, it is. And, you know, about five years ago, they talked about the golden generation and the opportunities missed. And certainly with, with I think it was the 2007 World Cup, you know, we, we really thought we had a great group of players for that and, and we didn't even get out of the group. Um, but really, as I say, now I've, I've been away. I'm not as, as, as connected to rugby as I have been. But I certainly see a huge difference. I think it's the professionalism in the Ireland setup. I think at the moment has changed so much. Um, who, who do you see, John, as your winners? If I had to, if I had to pin you down and say, who, who's going to win this tournament? Who would you say? Um, I'm giving the most obvious and cliched answer, but uh, it has to be New Zealand. I mean, when they play at their best at their high tempo, which is a million miles an hour, nobody can live with them. They they just do the basics so well every time. Every time there's someone on the ball, there's support lines. They they rock well. They tackle well. Everything everything is pretty much uh, on point. So I think New Zealand certainly, and as I mentioned earlier, I think Australia are definite dark horses. No, I hear you. And, and you know, I was watching. I caught some of the uh, the four nations there. And and what really scared me about the, the All Blacks was, you know, they recycle the ball. And every time they recycle the ball, they do it quicker and quicker and quicker. The possession gets faster. The balls move faster and faster and faster. And there's just no answer for it. 
um, you know, you're, you're going to need a very, very firm game plan to get anywhere near them, I think. Yeah, it's excellence uh, through simplicity. It's just a matter of always having other players to pass to and someone always running and making space. It's uh, it's very, very simple, but they've perfected it. Uh, so if if they bring their A game, no one will stop them. But of course, you know, in big tournaments, New Zealand have failed to deliver a couple of times and uh, there's always a chance. But uh, realistically, I think their certainty is to win it. And if I had to pick for uh, on uh, you know a second side for you to, to think about winners, who who would be your second? I think Australia. I just think like Michael Cech has brought a completely different uh, dimension to to their team. The, it was described a few uh, years ago as a toxic atmosphere inside the Australian camp uh, amongst the players, but I think that's been uh, remedied. And Cech is a winner. He's won Heineken Cups and Pro 12s at Leinster, and he's run Super Rugby with the Waratahs. So uh, he is a winner, and they have some exceptional players. I think a lot of people are always talking about New Zealand, and rightly so, but some of the players Australia have produced in the last number of years are absolutely world-class. George mentioned Quay Cooper, who's a very erratic player, but when he's on form, I think he's probably the best player in terms of entertainment to watch in the world. He's absolutely magical when when he's on form, but uh, those days are kind of few and far between nowadays. No, I hear you on that. And I think, you know, you've picked two Southern Hemisphere sides. And, and I think maybe, you know, the depth that they have, whenever you start looking beyond the first 15 and you look to the bench, and certainly the All Blacks are, are fucking scary, like really, really scary. Over, over to George. Um, who, who would you who would be you have for your uh, realistic winners of the tournament? And maybe, uh, you know, maybe give us a couple of teams. If one doesn't win, who, who else would win, George? It's, it's really hard, mate, because I think... You know, the first thing to say is that it's not always the best side. You know, any New Zealander will tell you this. It's not always the best side in the tournament that wins it. Um, and the second thing is that there are really seven, six, seven, eight sides who who, who could sort of um, pull it together and do something. Um, I, I think I mentioned briefly earlier, not many people are talking about them, but I really like um, the look of South Africa. They're just strong up front. You know, they're back row. They're going to pick sort of Dwayne Vermeulen if they get him fit, um, you know, potentially Willem Alberts, Francois Lowe. And then behind the scrum, they they just have these young guys who have come through. You know, Willie LaRue's been around for a little while, but then they've got Damien Dielende and uh, Jesse Creel, who who hopefully will play in the centres. I don't know if they're going to try and shoehorn John de Villiers in there, who are just, you know, these guys are so, so talented, just shredded uh, the All Blacks and the Wallabies when they played them in the last month or so. And Andre Pollard, who, who plays really flat at 10. Um, so I think the big game for them is the quarterfinal, um, when they have to play whoever is the runner-up from Pool A. I, I think if they can get through that, I, I really fancy them to beat the All Blacks, um, although I know it's a bit of a dangerous prediction. So, so the box, if they can get through that quarterfinal, I, I think whoever tops Pool A is in great shape in terms of the draw. So, you know, of course I'm going to say this, but but I do think Wales... You know, I think Wales could peak well. They've had two months to get them working really hard on their conditioning, their defensive line speed. You know, under Sean Edwards, they just get up in people's faces and they're good on the deck, so they'll win turnovers. They're going to kick the ball a lot. I think they kicked the ball 41 times against Ireland on Saturday and they're strong aerially. So it's not going to be pretty, but I think they could suffocate teams. Um, and then I'm naming, I'm naming about four or five teams here again, but. I think, as John mentioned, you know, Australia are really, really strong. Michael Cech is a clever coach. With them, it's just all about getting the balance in the forward pack right and whether they can get Pocock and Hooper in together, I'm not too sure, um, just in terms of the line-out and they need enough jumpers. But, um, look, you know, Ireland are a great side as well and they've got a great draw. So, you know, they get through to the semi-final, um, they can beat anyone. So it's, it's, it's so hard to say, so, so hard to say. Well, we can beat anybody but the All Blacks historically. <laughs> but, uh, you know, fingers crossed, you know, that, has to, that hoodoo has to stop. Even Munster beat them. Jesus, do you think like Ireland can beat them sometime? Sam, uh, uh, who, who do you see as the, uh, as, as the big players? Who, who do you see as going to be your favourites for the tournament? Uh, maybe, maybe you can throw in a couple of suggestions. I think it's always hard to look any further than New Zealand, to be honest with you. I think they've, they've probably been favourites for every single tournament so far. Uh, and I think this one's going to be very much like it again. Uh, they got Dan Carter now looking fully fit again. They got Richie McCaw, uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing Sonny Bill Williams actually as well. So 
I'll say New Zealand, for me, strong favourites for the tournament. But if you want me to chuck in a second shout, then I, I don't know what it is, if it's just excitement or the fact that we just beat Ireland on their own patch, even though it was just in a friendly. Uh, but I have got a bit of a newfound optimism for us to do well. So I'm going to say, as an outside shout, if, if New Zealand do fail, fingers crossed Wales can go one better this year and get to the final and maybe even win it. Uh, physically, we're getting better and better. We've got pace and power out in the backs. And to me, half-penny kicking is absolutely key. A lot of games these days come down to a couple of points. And I think his kicking could be the difference between winning and losing. That's a ballsy call. I'll give you that. <laughs> a very ballsy call. But what you said is true. Like, you know, at the end of the day, there's a number of sides here who, who can cause upsets. Um, you know what I mean? I would love all Celts alike. I would love to see the Welsh progress, of course. Um, you know, I'm always up for the Welsh and the Scots. Um, Callum, fr- from an English point of view, um, do, do, do you see England as winners or, or who do you see as winners? I really, I don't think you can look past New Zealand, really. I think the best odds I could find for them to win is like 7-2, to two, which like before an international tournament in any sport, for winners to be on 7-2 to two is insane. Um, I honestly, th- I think they're going to win it. I'd say like nine out of time, nine out of ten times, nineteen out of twenty times, they'll win this tournament with their group and their progressions. Uh, if not, England will win it because you know, bugger the lot of you, we're going to come second though. I think I could go into it, but I honestly don't see past New Zealand. Sorry. <laughs> no, it, it really is hard. Historically, you know, they're always there or thereabouts, um, and you know that they are going to be there or thereabouts again. You, you look at the squad, you look at the depth. It's really, really difficult to see past them. Um, as much as I would love to say, oh yeah, Ireland can deal with them, I, I'm not so sure. Uh, I will say this for, for, for my prediction, the team that beats Ireland will win the World Cup, that's the way I'm going to leave it. Uh, Callum, I'm going to stay with you. If you, if, you look at the, uh, if you look at the pools and you look at the teams, uh, I'm, we're, I'm thinking along the lines of upsets here, dark horses. Who would be your dark horses to, to, to go a little bit further than maybe the, the, the predictions would, would lead us to believe? I don't think Ireland necessarily qualify as a dark horse, but I think they, I guess this would be, it depends which camp you want to put it in. Either you could attribute it to the last question or you could put it to this question, but I think considering their group, I reckon they'll do France, come out top, have a good little draw, and uh, I reckon they'll nip in there, to be honest, and they'll be in, in or around it. I think they'll get to the semis look very good in the semis, like be the favourites in the semis, maybe. I'm not really sure. I, I'd say Ireland, depending on which camp you want to put put Ireland in. But yeah, I'd go for well, them. Well, as much as I would love to share your optimism, you know, historically, as, as John and, and, and I both said, getting past the quarterfinal is going to be the first thing. And once we do that, then it's all new, new territory. You know, it's unwritten. Um, and I think that's basically what I'm looking at. I'll come back again to Sam. Um, who, who would be your, your dark horse for the tournament, uh, Sam? Uh, my dark horse will have to be, obviously I was saying Wales there, but uh, for an actual real outsider here, I think Samoa might surprise a few teams. Um, looking at their group, South Africa and Scotland are there. But I think Samoa might just sneak in second there. And with their physicality, um, as you find with a lot of these nations, with the Pacific Islanders, um, you're finding that they're, they're really physical and Samoa might just spring a surprise. Uh, the second one I had uh, was France, who they, they're just ridiculous. They either perform so poorly or they pull it out of the bag. So I always keep an eye on France. You never know. Tournament rugby, they might just pull something out. No, I hear you on that. Is exactly what I was going to suggest as well. France are the, you know, nobody's talking about them uh, as potential winners. You know, uh, the last couple of years they've been struggling terribly. Uh, they're not the French that we associate as French rugby with. They're, they're not that explosive, uh, explosive team that we, we normally see. But they can turn it on at any minute and, and maybe they can raise their game for this. And I would worry about them. Uh, George, for you, who, who do you see as your dark horses? Uh, I, I think France are a really interesting one. You know, they've kind of they've been away on this camp in the Pyrenees, and Louis Picamol and and Bastera have come back. Sort of apparently they've been in been fat camp every morning, um, and are just sort of looking in the best shape of their lives. If they weren't playing Michelac at ten, 
I'd say them, but they're playing Mishlak at ten, so they. I'm, I'm, I'm just not having that. He's uh, he's, he's just not up to it. Um, I think John said earlier they've left Tranduka home. It's just madness. I, I think Sam just mentioned, you know, Samoa I've spoken about. I think they're a real, could potentially go through second in that group, although I do hope Scotland go through. And and, and then, yeah, you know, I've said South Africa, no one's really talking about them. And, and you know, I have to say Wales, I, I, I do think they'll really squeeze teams. I don't think you can get many points out of them. Um, and they just get on the edge physically, they'll look good. Um I think, you know, everyone's saying the All Blacks, I just don't think they're quite the team they were a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, guys like Tony Woodcock in the front row looking tired. You know, Dan Carter's largely struggled for a while now. And, you know, Kieran Reid struggled for a little bit of form. So it's the type of thing where I'll write them off and look stupid probably on this pod in a few weeks. But I, I don't think they'll win it. And I, I don't think England will win it either. Um, I don't think England will do well as people think they will. Um, I think teams can get to George Ford if the pack aren't really on the front foot. He's not got any second receivers to kind of take the pressure off him uh, in the back line. So, so yeah, my, I'd say Eng- England is either not to do as well as people think they will. And, you know, I, I think Ireland, Wales, uh, Australia and South Africa can all, can all win it. I, I think it will be one of those four teams, which means it almost certainly won't be. I'm going to go a little controversial and, and, and go on the record here because you'll slate me later on if I'm wrong. <laughs> I, I don't think England's making it out of the group. I don't know why. I just have a feeling that England are going to fail to get out of the group. I've got a feeling that Wales will be so up for this game um, that, 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 that England won't be able to deal with them. Um, if, we, you know, if we'll think it enough, do you think it might happen? No, but I, I genuinely do think. I genuinely do think. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it on the pod if I didn't actually believe. And I've been saying it for some time. Uh, I know we have the WhatsApp group. And and, and it, I, since this draw was made, I just saw a warning sign for England. I don't think they're all that. I don't really think they're as good as as maybe the media are making them out to be. Now they could they could end up making me eat my words. But I, I, personally, I don't see it. Um, I'll come across to John again. Who, who who would you who would you say are they going to be the overperformers of the World Cup? Certainly, judging by Wales' performance against Ireland in Dublin on Saturday, they could well be the candidates. I mean, the way they play is just their line speed is absolutely bananas. They absolutely suffocate Ireland's uh, Ireland's halfbacks, kind of in a similar fashion to what they did in Cardiff in uh, in the Six Nations in the game that they won. And, you know, as uh, George said, um, they're going to win a lot of penalties because they have a lot of good uh, groundhogs such as uh, Warburton and you have Tipperich on the bench. And then when you have a player like Halfpenny who just doesn't miss penalties, I mean, you can just keep building up and building up the scoreboard. So they, I'd be very wary of Wales. I think just that the way they play, though, is so energy sapping that they'll need to manage their squad uh, quite well and make substitutions very well. But in Gatland, they have an experienced and wily coach. So that shouldn't be too much of a problem. So... Uh, I think Wales, from a Northern Hemisphere perspective, aren't being as talked about as much as, say, Ireland or England, but certainly they could advance just as far or even further than both of them. No, I hear you on that one. Listen, guys, we're, we're, we're pushing on in time here. Uh, I, I need to sort of think about bringing this to a close. Uh, I'll, I'll stay with John. Uh, have you any plugs for us? And, and where can fi- people find you on Twitter? Uh, what's your Twitter handle on, on anything you're doing at the moment? Um, my Twitter handle is at NotoriousJOS and I'm uh, fairly fallow with plugs at the minute but uh, hopefully by the next time uh, we chat there may be something in motion that's cool no problem and George yourself where can we find you on Twitter Have you, are you doing anything you want to plug at the moment nothing to plug man. My, my Twitter is at GJ Berman which is B-E-R-M-A-N so you can all uh, send me abuse when it's an England New Zealand final You'd be so lucky. <laughs> Sam, uh, yourself, where can we find you? And, and have you anything ongoing at the moment? Uh, right, yeah, my Twitter handle is at Sambo Evans, S A M B O Evans. Um, and I recently did the uh, Anfield Index Welsh podcast uh, post Bournemouth if you're into Liverpool. Uh, give that a listen. And I also wrote a little article on. Uh, Nathaniel Klein and Joe Gomez as well. Uh, so yeah, give the Anfield Index app a download as well on uh, iTunes. No, indeed. Uh, no, I listened to that pod actually, Sam. You were in, in some very illustrious company there on that one. Uh, it was very enjoyable, very enjoyable indeed. And Callum, uh, have you any plugs and where can we find you on Twitter? 
Uh, my Twitter's at El Caxo, so it's like El Barto, but with Cax, because I'm a child, effectively, and that's what entertains me. Um, I don't have anything out at the moment, because I'm a cripple and I can't type, but I'll be on the Anfield Index Fantasy Football Pod, smashing the life out of everyone else, if you want to go listen to that. Um, listen to me boast for 45 minutes an hour, which is always fun. No, that's cool. Um, and for me, I'm just wanting to plug uh, the World Football Index. We're actually recording here in another hour with uh, with Dave Hendrick and uh, Leroy from Malaysia. We're going to be covering the uh, the transfer window globally. Uh, and let's say there's plenty to talk about, uh, more about the transfers that didn't happen than did. But we're going to be recording that uh, very shortly and should be with you about Friday. Um, there'll be another pod coming up for the Sinbin uh, with the guys from the Southern Hemisphere next week. Uh, we're hoping to have Brent, Andrew uh, and maybe Mick from Australia on uh, and, and we'll be getting their views on how they see the World Cup and, and uh, pretty much the same agenda that we've done here. Uh, but uh, up, up until now, we'd like to say good night and thank you very much for listening. If, if you could t- sort of give us a bit of publicity, a bit of a, you know, a bit of a plug here and there, maybe around the rugby community, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, and with that, I've nothing more to say, so I'll bid you all good, e- good evening and look forward to, to talking to you again in the week. Goodbye. I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 